0: Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast.
1: Here's your host.
0: Hi there. Thank you for tuning into the How We Solve podcast. This is GQ, one of the hosts on How We Solve. And today we have with us Mike Potter, CEO at Rewind, an application that helps protect your online stores. Welcome to the show. Hi,
1: GQ. Yeah, thanks. Nice to be here.
0: All right. Well, I think listeners would be very, very curious about your background and how Rewind got started. So if you could start by sharing a short elevator pitch about Rewind and you know how you came about starting at
1: Rewind. So, Rewind is an application, like you mentioned, that's designed to help protect online stores. We built a backup application for Shopify uh, and Big Commerce stores that launched on Shopify nearly five years ago. Um, and we're now protecting over 15,000 businesses across Shopify, Big Commerce, and QuickBooks Online. And the general idea is that a lot of people don't realize that the platforms themselves don't provide individual account level backups. So if something happens to your data on Shopify or Big Commerce or QuickBooks Online or really almost any SaaS platform, in a lot of cases, you can't go back to the platform owners and have them undo the mistake that happened, like recreate the product that's been deleted or what have you. So that's what Rewind does. We take a copy of your data and we track all the changes as it happens. So it's a bit like time machine for the Mac, if you will, on for these SaaS services. And then we store that in our own system. And then if something happens, you can easily go in, take that product or take that data and then put it back exactly the way it was before the problem happened. And it was actually the second product that we had worked on. My co-founder, James Krzyzewski, and I, we were working together at a startup about six or seven years ago and really liked working together. And you know, I was bored at work one day and I said, "Let's let's get together and let's work on a side project. And so we started working on a... On something else, totally different from this idea, and we spent about six months working on that, and it wasn't going anywhere. And so I said, you know, we need to come up with another idea. Like this one's not getting any traction. And then he said, you know, what do you want to work on? And I'd done a little bit of investigation into the backup space. I'm, I'm a big backups guy. Like I've lost my data before. I've got two hard drives sitting right next to me on the floor over here that back up my Mac. You know, if you've lost data, you know, you know the pain and you know you don't want to ever go through that again. And so I said, Well, why don't we do backups? You know, I, th- I thought it would be a good business. And um, he said, What do you want to back up? And I said, Well, let's back up Shopify. We're in Ottawa. Um, they're in Ottawa and, you know, they're growing like, they were growing like crazy. This is five years ago and they were still growing like crazy. So I said, Well, let's, you know, let's do Shopify. And I said, The best scenario for us is probably, you know, we build a little app, we get some attention and we can go over, we can apply for a job and they'll hire us and we'll get to work over there. And that was really how how it all started. We just, we started working nights and weekends on this little side project and it sort of took off. Well,
0: I think after six or seven years, you're now pretty much one of the top apps on the App
1: Store and Shopify. Yeah, we're doing, I think we're doing really well. So we're a team of 30 or so people now, like I said, we've got, you know, tens of thousands of customers that we're protecting their accounts for. So it's turned out to be you know, a really successful company and a really successful business. And we're, we're super excited about you know, that and what we've got coming in the next little while as well.
0: All right. So I guess building one of Shopify's top apps is obviously not an easy feat. And there's probably a lot of lessons that and experiences that you've gone through in the past few years that you've built this business from the ground up. What's the one thing that you could share that you've learned from building
1: Rewind? One of the things we did really, really well was when we first started, we made the app free. And there's a lot of debates online on whether, you know, you should start charging for your apps right away or whether you should make it free or whatever. And for us, the problem that we were trying to solve at that point was just validating the need, right? And if to validate the need, it's easier to get more people if price isn't a barrier. And then you can have conversations with them. You can talk to those customers. You can figure out, you know, what you should be charging, how much you should be charging, etc. So when we first first started, we made the application free and then we took us about six months before we decided that we were going to start charging for it. And I think that sort of approach of not necessarily making it free, but that sort of that approach of always wanting to learn from customers and always having something that you're trying to validate, I think has been one thing that we've kept consistent throughout the whole time that we've been working on this. Right. So whether it be working on pricing or working on other products that we're going to build. Other platforms that we might expand our backups to, in all cases, looking at that from a problem perspective of like, okay, how are we going to validate that the problem exists? How are we going to kind of come up with the solution? I think that's really been what we've learned how to do quite well um, over the few years we've been working on this.
0: But when when you had to transition over to a paid model like you mentioned after 6 months did you get a lot of pushback from customers because they were used to using the free like or did they already understand that like you know it was going to be like a limited period of time that they would be able to use Rewind for free
1: when we first started we we definitely mentioned that it wasn't going to be free forever that it was a time limited offer we didn't we didn't specify when we'd be charging for them we started charging in January and i think by that point You know, one of the things that we had validated was that the problem of losing data and needing to restore the data existed on Shopify. That was really the problem that we had validated. And if you can solve that problem, you can charge money for that because people will pay to get their store back up to the way it was before the problem happened. And so, yes, we were worried. Well, we knew that we would lose some customers who were just using it for free, but those are the customers that weren't going to pay anyway. We had already validated with customers that had successful stores that were selling you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a daily basis that having this backup was super valuable. And those were the customers that we were focused on solving the problem for. Those are the ones that we wanted to focus on. So yes, we knew we were going to lose some customers that were using it for free, but we were more concerned about the ones that were making money and were willing to pay us money in order to solve that problem for them. So when we moved to a paid model, we gave everybody two months notice. You know, I remember we started in January 1st and we said, anybody who's already installed before January was able to use it until the end of February at no charge. And at that point you had to transition into one of our paid plans. And anyone who started installing in January only had to, they had a seven day free trial or maybe a 14 day free trial at that point. And they had to select a paid plan in order for us to back up their store. And we just started charging at that point.
0: Well, what are some of the other key learnings that you've found out? That, or rather, if, if you could share some of the key things that entrepreneurs should take note of, uh, what are those key things they would need to build a successful business?
1: I think one of the things that we've done a pretty good job of is really focusing on the customer service aspect of it. Right. So for us, customers are coming to us when they have major problems with their online store. Right. They've lost data. Something's gone wrong and they need help. And so we've really focused on providing really, really good customer service. In some cases, you know, we've done things manually to help customers out when they thought the product was doing something that it wasn't doing, for instance. Early, early on, we really went above and beyond to make sure that customers were super happy with the product and with the company itself. I think generally what I see a lot of these days, not from an entrepreneurial perspective, but especially from established businesses, is just a lack of customer service, right? Uh, you go to some stores these days and there's like nobody in the store to help you out. It's hard to find you know, people that can help you. You can go to other stores where there's tons of people that are very helpful. And those are the ones where I like spending money. And the ones where there's nobody there to help you, it's like, why am I here? Like, why am I not just shopping online to buy all this stuff? Like, there's nobody online, there's nobody in your store. Why have I come to your store if you can't help me find what I need? Right. So, I really believe that the successful businesses have a really strong focus on customer service. And that's what we've really tried to maintain. So, we have really strict guidelines internally around like, you know, how, how long does it take for us to respond to a customer issue? How long to resolve those customer issues? Those are data points that we track on a regular basis. We're monitoring them. We're making sure that, you know, that we're doing a good job from a customer satisfaction perspective. We look at the number of reviews that we've got in the app stores that we're on. So in the Shopify app store, in the BigCommerce app store, in the QuickBooks app store, you know, we're over a thousand five-star reviews across all those three app stores now. And we track those metrics and we look at them really closely because we really want to make sure that we're providing a great service to customers. And I think if you can do that, you can provide a product that people really like and you can, you know, do that in a, in a way that you can charge for it. And you can provide a really great service that kind of the rest of the stuff will all, all figure itself out. And that's really where, you know, what we focused on sort of at the long term when we first, first started, said, look, at the end of the day, we just provide a great product that works and we provide great service and people will pay money for it. You don't have to worry about that. Like, you know, if you are a company that people want to do business with, they'll pay you for it. And that's that's definitely turned out to be true. I couldn't agree more, and I
0: think that businesses may run into problems with certain customers from time to time, but I think that as a business when you are able to I guess creating value and being completely honest and transparent when working with people and creating the best experience that they can possibly receive, people will talk about it. I, I know how businesses will say like, you know, one really bad um, experience will really cause your brand's reputation and so on and so forth. So that's true. But also on the reverse side is that if you're able to rescue that experience and turn that into a five-star you know, experience, it's just going to create more evangelists for your brand in return.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and we've definitely seen that where we've, we've been helping customers and customers go and tell their friends about this great service that they got and how it saved their store from disaster. And that word of mouth, especially early on before we had a lot of revenue, before we were putting a lot of money into marketing, that word of mouth, those reviews on the app store, which generated a higher ranking, that was all super important to us growing to be the size of company that we are. I think both are both are true, right? If you have negative reviews, that gets around. But if you have positive reviews, that gets around as well. And people do talk about those. You talk about those positive experiences that you had when you went shopping and, you know, the, the guy or the girl came over and helped you find that exact product. And that level of service is not just like, you know, OK, go find it on your own. It's a level of service that, like, like, I like going to that store. Like, if I have a problem, I know they're going to help me out. They're going to help me find it. I'm going to save some time there. And yeah, you know what? It's a little bit more expensive when you go shopping there. But to me, it's worth it. The food is better. The service is better. And that's that's the area where at Rewind, that's where we kind of want to focus as well, is on, you know, we're not the cheapest option. We don't ever want to be the cheapest option from a backup perspective. We're the best one. And the best is not always the cheapest.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Now, coming back to your customer service metrics for a bit. So you mentioned the average response time and the handling time. What are some of the other metrics that you, you would advise other businesses to kind of keep track of to know that they're delivering a great customer experience?
1: We track those from a customer experience perspective. We track you know, time to resolve the cases. Um, after the cases are done, we also ask customers to review the customer support interaction that they had so they can rate it It's kind of like one to five scale if you will right so looking at like how many positive reactions did we get from that we tend to ask for reviews in the app stores after we've had a positive interaction with somebody so we measure again how many reviews do we have in those app stores how many new reviews are we getting what's the rating on those reviews and then i think there's other things that that you can start to see the cycle of providing great service helping your business so as you start growing like are your installs like just as a as a leading indicator for us is like are the installs growing right and then as you get more installs you know you can follow up with those customers with a little quick email hey how did you hear about us and how many of those people are saying that they heard about you from another business from another customer of yours right how many how many times are they saying yeah i just you know i looked you up and i saw that you had 700 five-star reviews in the app store and so i picked you guys because you look like you were the leading one or the best one or whatever how many times are they referencing the great customer support that you've got in terms of those reviews like that's that's stuff that from a leading indicator we're looking at on a regular basis as well right so how many installs and then what's the feedback from those people who are installing why are they picking us over um, any of the other competitors that they can pick um, so there's some quantitative or some qualitative stuff in there as well that you can track, you know, not just from a numbers perspective, but just talking to customers and getting their feedback on, you know, why did you pick us?
0: Aside from, you know, the post, I guess, like the post-interaction kind of uh, survey that you run, you know, I think you mentioned about one to five stars. That's kind of like the customer satisfaction rating of sorts, I, I guess, and, uh, you know, obviously the other indicators that you've mentioned. Do you also run any other uh, surveys, you know, maybe like, After a few months uh, of someone using your product, for example, like, like, because I I know some like, you know, some businesses, they're, they're very big on NPS, for example, Uh, some people work with customer effort scores, I'm not sure, you know, with rewind, like, are there any other surveys that you would run to kind of gauge the customer's experience outside of what we've talked about?
1: Yeah, so NPS is definitely something that a lot of people will do. We've heard that a number of different times. Uh, The way we've thought about Net Promoter Score is, you know, if you're posting a review in a public forum, that's pretty much as positive uh, an experience as you can get in terms of promoting it, right? So we, we looked at NPS and we thought, well, do we need to measure NPS or can we actually just measure when people do it? Like, why do we need to survey our customers and get those you know, quite frankly, I find them kind of annoying, you know, how on a scale of one to 10, how would you, would you recommend us to one of your customers? I know how NPS works. And I know the the science and data behind it. And it's certainly valuable in some cases, but we just looked at that and said, why do we want to annoy them again with another email? And why don't we just say, Hey, like, if you've had a positive experience, there actually is a way that you can tell your friends, like you can be a promoter. It's just go to this app store and write a review and that's how you are a promoter we don't need to measure you know your net promoter score we just need to like you can actually do that you can actually do the promotion for us so we focused on that really early and said you know we don't need to measure nps we don't have to send those emails out let's just ask people for reviews and then you know we do measure you know how many times we request those and um how often are people filling them out and how many new ones are we getting on a monthly basis like like we're tracking that sort of stuff right But that's really, that to me is the biggest thing. So I think if you can get out of the NPS email system, I don't know, I just find those all annoying. I had one, I literally had one yesterday that came in that was like, you know, and I I don't know, I never know how to respond to them. I think if you can get out of that and just say, look, like we'd really love a review. Like if you like the software, you know, go to G2 or go to some place that, you know, you can review it, whether it be in the app store, if you're building a Shopify app or uh, BigCommerce has an app store and QuickBooks has an app store as well. What's a public forum that you, can, that you can do that where you can actually promote the product? And I think if you can come up with that, you probably find that that's a, lot of a, that's a much, much better way of measuring whether people are really liking your product than simply asking them in an email if you would recommend it for, to a friend. I think you could also argue that starting a referral program or a way where customers can actually do what you're asking them, would they, would they do that, right? So you know, as opposed to saying, would you refer us to a friend? Here's the program. Like, here's how you do it, right? So don't, you don't need to measure on a scale. Of one to ten are you going to do it. Just see who's doing it. So here's your program. If you like the software, you know, tweet this out, post it on Facebook, send it to a friend, do whatever you want to do. I would focus on those types of products as opposed to just the email-based ones that are trying to calculate NPS.
0: I really like that perspective, thank you. That is actually very, very true because maybe we' come to a, such a point where people, everyone's doing it most of the time and it can get relatively annoying and it, it, like if you want to measure that, you might as well just see the actual results like the proof is in the pudding, right so just like just see the actual results if you see the actual positive reviews, and then that pretty much counts for it
1: yeah and are you seeing and are you seeing product use increase as well right like we you know we use a we use a great product that we love called Clubhouse for managing our development process right. And so like Clubhouse, they don't need to send me an NPS score, right? Like, am I adding more developers to that product over time? Are we adding more data into that product? Like, what are the active sort of use metrics? And that's to be, I think, maybe a better indication than like, are you promoting it? It's like, do you really, really like the product? Because if you like the product, people are going to tell other people like it just it's going to happen right i mean you end up in a conversation like this and you're like oh like i really like this one product that we're using those conversations happen all the time so i'm not quite sure that you need to send out an email asking for people that's a, that's been our approach
0: very very cool so coming back to your experience with shopify how has the shopify ecosystem changed for you since you've launched your application in 2015
1: yeah, definitely a lot of changes there. I mean, Shopify itself has grown. I think when we first started, they were in the hundred to 200,000 range in terms of merchants, and now they're over five times that, at over a million merchants from what they said in their last public release. So they've clearly you know, expanded their market super well. They've done a really great job. There's more competition in the app stores. I think generally what I'm seeing is... There are businesses out there that are starting to cement their position as the number one player in certain segments of the market. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to compete against them. You know, they're well funded, they've got a lot of customer reviews, they've got a good app store ranking, they've got really good cycles going in terms of acquiring customers and keeping them and having them be happy. And they're also you know, using that, that customer data in order to figure out what best products to build next. So they're already two or three steps ahead of you. So I think some of the categories are starting to be less available from a competitor standpoint. And so it's, a, it's probably a lot harder to compete now in the app store than it was five years ago. When we joined, we were the first backup app that was on the market. So there wasn't any other competition. Now I think there's three or four companies that have followed us in that space. And I think that's generally what people have seen is, you know, there are clear leaders, but in the places where the companies are spending or where they're growing really quickly, there are definitely competitors that are coming out and, and trying to compete there. So if you're looking to build an app, you really need to do a good job at, you know, customer validation and figuring out what the problems are from a customer standpoint that aren't currently solved in that app store and doing your best to sort of use that data to try and find a niche that you can get a beachhead from.
0: So, jumping on that aspect of building a successful business, and I think uh, and not just any business, but like a success a successful application business, and standing out from the you know from the competition, what are some resources or some books that you would recommend people to read, just so they can get better insights or try out other kinds of strategies to stand out from
1: the Proud. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that we've read we've read a lot of the stuff from the guys at 37 signals and the base camp team and we've really tried to build a company around a lot of their philosophies you know anything that jason or david is writing i think we're following them quite closely and using them as as real sort of inspiration for how we want the company to to be perceived or how we want the company to be run Um, So we follow a lot of what they do, you know, like our refund policy, for instance, is basically a carbon copy of theirs, which is we just want our customers to be happy. So we take a lot of inspiration from them. I do read a lot of what Toby hosts online. So Toby's the CEO at uh, Shopify, so I'm watching what he's posting and what he's reading, and he's definitely got some good book recommendations that I've taken him up on. I think generally, the best experience we've always found, though, is just doing it. And just starting out, I mean, you can read as much as you want, but until you actually get out and do it and learn, I don't necessarily read to learn. I'm more learning via doing. And so I'm one of those guys that has to get out and try something and do it and fail and learn and then try it again and and keep sort of going at it. And that's, I find a better way of sort of advancing the company and advancing the product than anything that we've read. But Certainly those sources, I think, have always come up with some kind of really interesting, not necessarily books, but even just blog posts and things.
0: And on a concept, I think you, you mentioned about philosophies, for example, do you have like a personal mission statement of yours that you, you know, use as your guide in
1: life? I don't have a personal mission statement, but I think, you know, we're really focused on building a great place that people want to work. That's sort of our number one goal um, with building the company. When we first started, we had that as a company goal. And I think if, we, if we've been focused on that goal and we've ended up hiring some really, really amazing people to work with, And I think if you can, you know, if you can do that, you can find some really great people that you enjoy spending most of your days with. You can try and solve some really difficult problems, then you just sort of enjoy the ride, right? And that's that's kind of the philosophy that we've tried to take. We don't, you know, we're a startup like a lot of other companies, but in the same sort of spirit as the guys at Basecamp, we're not driving our employees to work. 10 hour days or 12 hour days or 14 hour days. We encourage everybody to work eight hour days and at the end of the day, you log off, go get some rest, go do something else, enjoy some really good work life balance, and then come back refresh the next day. And so I think having that that balance for us has been really important. Personally, I think it's been key to our success. And that's I guess, you know, the mission that we've sort of taken on is you can build a really successful company that grows really, really quickly. We're, we're one of the fastest growing companies in the city, but you don't have to kill yourselves and and work all day and all night on it. So you, can get, you can get some balance and you can achieve some things outside of your work that you, know, you find valuable as well. So that's, I think, been the guiding mission for us is finding that balance between having this really successful, fast growing company, but at the same time, making sure that everybody's got a really good work-life balance and they can accomplish things outside of work as well.
0: If listeners wanted to reach out to you to maybe pick your brains on some ideas or some thoughts that they have, what are some of the best channels to contact you?
1: And you can find me on Twitter, just at Mike Potter on Twitter. That's probably the best way to uh, to reach me.
0: That was definitely really, really useful, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and all your thoughts around the different topics we've discussed. And I really, really like the fact about being very customer centric and, and making sure that the customer experience is as frictionless and as <laughs> as great as possible for people so thank you so much for for coming on the show and it was really wonderful having a chat with you mike
1: yeah you're welcome it was a lot of fun thanks gq all right well thank you so much and
0: thanks for tuning into the how we Solve podcast
1: is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R rive.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.